My name is Beth, and I'm on staff here with The Living Room. And like Matt said earlier, we are starting a brand new series tonight. And this series is all about understanding the will of God. And so we have titled this series IDK because that's typically our response when it comes to the will of God. What is, the will, what is God's will for my life? I don't know. Does God have a plan for my life? I hope so, but I really don't know. And we figured there's no better time in your life than your college age years to have a conversation about God's will. Because unlike middle school, where you know what the next step is, it's high school. Or like high school, there's a kind of obvious step. You're either going to go to college or get your first job. Sometimes you take a gap year, but it seems like there's a pretty obvious next step in life. But then when you get to college, it's really just the launching pad into the rest of your life. And so now more than ever, the decisions that you're making, big decisions, small decisions, they just seem to be holding a lot more weight. It's making decisions like, what am I going to major in? Who has been agonizing that over that like the whole time that you've been in college? It seems to be a really hard decision to make even to figure that out because figuring that out determines what you're doing for the rest of your life. And how am I supposed to figure out what I wanna do for the rest of my life? What if I change my mind at 35 and that has nothing to do with what I majored in? Or now you're making decisions about where am I gonna live? Am I gonna live on campus? Am I gonna live off campus? But if I live off campus, I can't even afford to live in this city. How am I gonna live off campus? But then if I live further away so I can afford it, then how am I gonna commute to campus? You're making decisions around where you're gonna live. You're making decisions around who you're gonna live with because how can you afford to live here if you don't live with other people, but you wanna live with the right people. And so you're having to make a lot of decisions around that. Or a couple of weeks ago, we had our whole dating series, but you think about God's will within who you're gonna date. Should I ask her on a date? Should I go on a date with him? Maybe you're even wondering who should I marry? Some of you aren't even in a relationship and you're wondering who you should marry. You were like spending so much time thinking about, God, who do you have for me? Who is out there for me to marry? There are so many decisions that you're thinking about. And some of you are looking at me really stressed out because you're like, yes, you just named everything that I'm trying to figure out and think about in my life. And it's overwhelming and it's stressful. And wouldn't it just be nice if you could just get in the mind of God and if you could just figure out what he knows so that you could figure out what it is that you're supposed to do with your life. And even if you're sitting in the room and you're not even really sure exactly how you feel about God, maybe you have wondered at some point, if there is a God, does he have a plan for my life. And so we figured we should just start having the conversation so that all of us can gain a lot of clarity around what it looks like to understand God's will. Because for most of us, it feels like what's at stake is that God has something very specific planned out for every single one of us. And if we could figure that out, and if we can get it right, and if we can make all of the right decisions, then we live a really fulfilled life. We have the perfect job. We have the dream marriage. We like have all the stuff that we want. We are making exactly the right amount of money. Like life is good. And if we don't figure it out, and if we don't make the right decisions, and we don't do everything that we're supposed to do, then we just end up broke, lonely, and miserable. And none of us want that for our lives. And so because of that, a lot of us find ourselves sitting in the position of asking this question, how do I discover God's will for my life? How do I discover God's will for my life? You want to know God's will, but probably more than that, you want to know how to even discover God's will. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me what prayer I'm supposed to pray. Tell me what scripture I'm supposed to read. Just point out the billboard on the side of the road with the flashing lights that just tells me exactly what it is that I am supposed to do with my life. 
But probably what you're going to begin to figure out throughout this series is that while this is a fair question to ask, it's probably not the best question to ask. And in fact, it might not even be a helpful question to ask. But before we get to all of that, we're going to take a step back and we're going to start with just even defining what God's will is. Like, what does that even mean? When we talk about God's will for our life, what does that mean? And I actually learned a lot about this as I was studying this message and learned some things that I didn't know, that there are different sides to God's will. And so we're going to have a little bit of lesson. I know you don't want to go to class right now and go to school, but this was so helpful for me that I think it's going to be really helpful for you. So there's actually some different sides to God's will, some different sides to God's will that we see throughout scripture. And the first one we see is God's providential will. Now, God's providential will is just God being God. It's that God is in control of everything, that God has a plan, that whatever God wills, that will happen, that God is sovereign in control of everything. That is God's providential will. And then you find God's moral will. And now God's moral will is the same for every single one of us. It's how he desires for us to live. And God's moral will doesn't change from person to person. God doesn't say, now Beth, you get to murder people, but you do not. You don't get to do that. No, God's moral will is the same for every single one of us. It's his desire for how he wants all of us to live. And really, if you are a Jesus follower, this is the lens in which you make all of your decisions and all of your actions. You're thinking through God's moral will. And lastly, there is God's specific will. And this is what we are after. This is probably what most of us in the room want to know. This is God's specific plan for your life. It's his plan for your individual life that is unique to you. And there's a number of reasons that all of us want to know God's specific will. And maybe if you have been a Jesus follower for a while, or maybe just depending on your view of God, you want to know God's specific will for your life because you want to honor God. And really, maybe you just want to do what is right. You want to do what God wants you to do because he's in control of this whole thing. And if you do what God wants you to do, then that's a pretty good guarantee that life is going to go well for you. And it's really this idea of, hey, there's a lot of things that I could do, but God knows what I should do. So could he just tell me what that is? I could study abroad or I could stay here and I could get an internship, and neither of those is wrong, but I don't know, God, could you just tell me which one I should do? Like, I could major in marketing, or I could major in education, and neither of those are wrong, but God, you know what I should do, so could you just tell me what it is that I should do? And we just want to get in the mind of God so that we can know what God knows so that he could tell us exactly what it is that we should do with our life. Or maybe the other reason that you want to know God's will for your life is that you want to minimize mistakes. You want to avoid mistakes and minimize risk in your life. You want to avoid mistakes and you want to minimize risk that probably now more than ever at this time in your life, it feels like the decisions that you're making are affecting your life way more long term. And there's maybe even some decisions in your life that are starting to feel a lot more permanent. And so when you're choosing a major, it feels like you're choosing what you're going to do for the rest of your life and you don't want to get it wrong. Or if you're in a serious relationship, you start thinking about, oh my gosh, I don't want to marry the wrong person. And no lie, both me and my husband have talked about this, that we were incredibly confident that we were supposed to marry each other. We're like, yeah, we feel really confident that each other is the right person. 
But both of us leading up to our wedding had the like, are you? Like, am I, am I doing this right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing, God? If you could just give me one more sign before I walk down the aisle into the rest of my life, like, that'd be great. And I did marry the right person. I feel very confident about that standing here right now. I absolutely <laughs> married the right person. But even in that instance of feeling really, really confident, like that I know that I know like you are the right guy. It's like, God, just, just one more sign would be really great. Because those decisions are hard. They're permanent. It's forever. It's the rest of your life and you don't want to get it wrong. And so we would just love if God would make it super obvious what he knows so that we could do the right thing in order to avoid mistakes and minimize risk. And really, these two lead us to the final reason that we would love to know God's will for our life is because we would love perfect fulfillment. We only get one shot at this life, and we would love to get it right. We can't go back in time. We can't get back decisions that we've made. We can't go back and change things. And so if there was a way that we could make every decision to the best of our ability, if we could know what God knows in order to get it right, then we would have a chance of living the most fulfilled life possible. And isn't that what we all want? But the hard thing about all of this is that nowhere in scripture at all does it tell us how to discover God's specific will for our life. It actually doesn't even promise us that we will find God's specific will for our life. And for a lot of you, that feels really unsettling. But I think if you were to even take a step back, it feels like the issue is that you would love to discover God's will for your life. But if you were to take that a step further, probably the bigger issue is that you're actually just spending a lot of time worrying about your future. That's where the problem comes in. The problem isn't discovering God's will. The problem is that you're just worried about tomorrow. You're worried about the future. You're worried about what's coming next. And what I've learned is that wondering about God's will is usually worrying about our future in disguise. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out what God knows so that we can get it right because we're actually just worried about what comes next. We're worried about what tomorrow holds. We're worried about what the future holds. And so is there a different way to think about our future? Is there a different way to think about God's will for our life? The good news is that there is. And Jesus actually spends some time talking about this in Matthew 6. And so we're going to spend just the next few minutes just dissecting some of what Jesus talks about in this passage. And so here is what Jesus says. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. And so here, Jesus is just beginning to set up the idea of do not worry about tomorrow. And essentially right now, he's just talking about physical stuff. He's talking about the food that you eat, the clothes that you wear. He's talking about it in the physical realm right now, but really he's just getting to the point of saying, hey, don't let your thoughts be consumed with worrying about what happens tomorrow. And that may seem like an impossible reality, but Jesus continues and he says this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable 
than they. And so as human beings, we are the only creatures created in the image of God. The only creatures created in the image of God. And God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to earth to die for us because he loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. And so when you look at the birds of the air who have absolutely everything they need, then how much more valuable are you who was created in God's image? How much more valuable are you to your heavenly father? You are infinitely more valuable. And so should we really have anything to worry about? No. And so Jesus continues what he's saying and he says this. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And so can any one of you think of a moment in your life where worrying has actually helped you out? Probably not. Has worrying ever helped you make a better decision? No. Has worrying ever helped you figure out what to do with your future? No. Has worrying ever made you feel better about your life? Has it ever given you any peace at all? No, probably not. And so the weird thing is that we spend a lot of time worrying about our future, thinking about what's coming next, thinking about what we want to do with our life in order to find fulfillment and peace in our life. And actually the opposite is happening. And studies actually show that worrying and anxiety actually shortens your lifespan altogether. And so worrying isn't worth it at all. It doesn't add anything to your life at all. And Jesus continues to hone in this point. And he continues by saying this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And he continues. He says, for the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. So at Jesus' time, the pagans would have been people who didn't have any faith at all. So they would have had no hope in anything outside of themselves. So it would have made sense that these would have been things that they would have been worrying about. They would have been worried about what they were going to wear, what they were going to eat, what was coming next. But Jesus is saying, hey, if you are following Jesus, then you know, you have hope that you have a heavenly father that knows what you need, that you have a heavenly father who actually cares about you. And what I love about this verse is that the emphasis is not on what God knows. The emphasis is just on the fact that God knows. So earlier this week, I hit a point in my week where I just felt stressed and I was overwhelmed. And I was talking to Lindsay, who is on um, our team with the living room, and I just was like, unloading all of this on her. I was just unloading my stress. I was unloading where I was feeling overwhelmed. And when I was done talking, she just looked at me and she said, hey, I can't fix it for you. And there actually isn't anything that I can do about it. But I just want you to know that I hear you. And I'm in your corner and I believe in you. And going into that conversation, I wouldn't have known that that was what I needed. But in the moment, I realized I actually didn't need Lindsay to fix it. I didn't need Lindsay to tell me the step-by-step game plan of what to do next. No, I actually just needed to know that Lindsay knew and that Lindsay cared and that that she believed in me and that she was in my corner. 
And the same is true with your heavenly father, that when it comes to your life and what comes next, we don't always need to know what God knows. Sometimes it's just really helpful to know that he does know and that he cares about you and that he is in your corner. And so the whole first half of this passage of what Jesus is talking about is just that. He's just simply honing in on the fact that we do not have to worry about tomorrow because we have a heavenly father who is going to care for us. We have a heavenly father who knows what we need. We have a heavenly father who is in our quarter. And if if that is true, then we don't need to worry about what happens next. But then a little bit later in this passage, Jesus begins to set up for us exactly what it is that we should be doing. And so if we're not supposed to spend our time worrying, then what is it that we are supposed to be doing? And this is what Jesus says. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And he continues on. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And we're gonna go back to the beginning of this verse and we're just gonna land here for a minute. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. And so we're told to seek his kingdom and to seek his righteousness. And so Jesus begins to give us a new perspective of what it is that we're supposed to be focusing on in our life that instead of running after this concealed specific will for our life, that we are supposed to run after his moral will that he has revealed for his life by seeking after his kingdom and seeking his righteousness. And seeking his kingdom simply means to care about the things that your heavenly father cares about. And to seek after his righteousness simply means to follow in the ways of Jesus. And so if we were to do that, it would look a lot like us loving people the way that Jesus loved us. It would look a lot like prioritizing our relationship with Jesus before anything else, including our own hopes, our own dreams, our own desires, and our own plans. And a kingdom assumes that there is a king who is reigning over the kingdom. And so it would look a lot like us choosing to surrender our lives to the king of kings, Jesus. And it would look a lot like us walking around, not just believing that Jesus is our savior, but believing that Jesus is the Lord of our life. And it would look a lot like us choosing to make every, choosing every decision and every action to think through the lens of the question, what does love require of me? That's what that would look like. And ultimately what I think that Jesus would say is I think that he would say that our goal should be to live out God's revealed will rather than figure out God's concealed will. And the revealed will that he's given us is his moral will, the way that he desires us to live, us living by choosing to seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness rather than spending all of our time trying to find his concealed will that he never promised that we would find. And so can you imagine what this world would look like if we would spend more time seeking after God's kingdom than we did seeking out our own plans for our lives? And can you imagine what would happen if we would seek after God's righteousness more than figuring out the who, what, when, where of our lives? I think that you would begin to experience transformation in your own life if you would seek after God's kingdom and if you would seek after God's righteousness as much as you agonize over trying to figure out God's specific will for your life. 
And I think if you actually began to do that, that you would actually rest in confidence that you are actually walking exactly where God wants you to be. And so does God have a plan for your life? Yeah, absolutely. But does God work all things together for the good of those who love him, even when it doesn't seem to make sense? Yes. And is God in control of absolutely everything? Yeah. And could you get down the road one day and look back and see God's hand in absolutely every decision that you made? Yeah, I hope that you can one day. But can you imagine what would happen if we stopped worrying about tomorrow and just started putting our trust in the one who is in control of tomorrow? And can you imagine the freedom that you would experience if you chose to seek first his kingdom and to seek first his righteousness and realize that you are walking exactly where God wants you to walk and you are no longer worried about what happens next? And can you imagine the fulfillment that you would experience in your life by choosing to seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness, knowing that you are walking exactly where he wants you to walk in life? Because that's what he wants for you. That's his will for you to seek first his kingdom, to seek first his righteousness, to walk in his ways, to live as he would like you to live in order to find the fulfillment and the freedom that you're looking for in life. And it's possible if we would just choose to seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness. I would love to pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, it can be confusing and it can be frustrating to figure out exactly what it is that you want for our life. And God, I know that we agonize over the big decisions, the small decisions of where to go, what to do, and exactly what it is that you want us to do with our lives. But God, I pray tonight that we would rest in the fact that we don't have to figure all of that out, that God, we just need to seek your kingdom and seek your righteousness. God, that we just need to be about the things that you're about and we just need to follow in the way of Jesus. And so Father, would you help us to do that? Would you show us what it looks like to live that way? And would you help us to free ourselves from the worry about what happens tomorrow and just learn to lean in and to trust you and you alone? So Father, we love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.